All right, we're going to talk about some controversy and drama in the world of Lego investing. There is a common question that I get as a Lego investor, which is, are licensed Lego sets better as an investment than non-licensed Lego sets? Welcome to The Brick Business Show, where we talk about Lego investing, Lego reselling, entrepreneurship, and how people all around the world are using the thing that they love, Lego, to create an income and build a business. With Lego, you of course have licenses like Star Wars, Jurassic World, Harry Potter, a handful of others that the Lego Group will partner with. And these are brands and IPs that Lego Group create these partnerships and deals with. And then they make Lego sets about those brands. And some of them have lasted years and Star Wars has been going on for a very long time. Likewise has Harry Potter. But there's also other themes in the world of Lego that are not licensed. They are homegrown. The Lego Group actually created the theme and the brand of the theme and some examples of those include lego art lego creator expert and lego icons and lego ninjago which has become a pretty big theme in terms of the brand and it has a tv show and different things so i'm going to talk about this big misconception in the world of lego investing and something that a lot of newcomers just don't really understand at first and i'm going to try and clear this up right here right now before we do i just want to say if you are new to the channel make sure you hit that subscribe button if you want to learn about lego investing so what we're talking about here is whether licensed sets are better investments than non-licensed sets. It is something that I get asked a lot, but it's also something that a lot of people just make these assumptions about. A lot of newcomers to Lego investing, they assume that licensed sets are better investments and they come into this thing thinking, if I buy Star Wars sets and Harry Potter sets, I will do much better. The investment will be much better than if I bought an Ninjago set or a Lego art set because those licensed brands have a ton of demand from other places, which of course is completely true. The great thing about licensed Lego sets for the Lego group is that they can tap into audiences from all of these other brands. Now all of a sudden, Harry Potter fans who may have never bought a Lego set before are buying Lego sets because they saw the Hogwarts Express or the Hogwarts Castle. Likewise, Star Wars fans who never built Lego, they see that Millennium Falcon and they want it. And so in a way, it's an introduction to Lego for a lot of people. And so this strategy that the Lego group have had of partnering with brands and focusing on licensed sets is a fantastic strategy. And honestly, it's been one of the best parts of their success for the last 20 years. But as a Lego investor, does that mean that these sets are gonna grow in value better than everything else? It absolutely does not. And again, a common misconception. It is just something that people assume because there is extra demand coming from these other audiences like Star Wars fans, Harry Potter fans, Sesame Street fans, Mario fans, Minecraft fans, all of these licensed brands that have Lego themes and Lego sets. Yes, the demand may be higher than some of the non-licensed sets. It is true because there is demand coming from different places. And so now some of these sets are faster sellers. So Star Wars, for example, is one of the best-selling Lego themes and has been for a very, very long time. But the thing is, just because there is extra places for demand to come from for a set, it does not mean that that is gonna be a better performer in terms of a Lego investment. Because Lego investing depends on both supply and demand. Demand is one big part of it, but also 
also we need low supply in the aftermarket for a set to grow in value and some of these sets could have a lot of supply and some of the star wars sets for example could be bought by a lot of lego investors a lot of lego resellers and there could be a massive supply of some of those sets in the aftermarket and it can often happen that lego investors and lego resellers are buying up the star wars sets the harry potter sets the popular sets because they expect that the demand will be so strong because it's a licensed set and so it's kind of like a knock-on effect where the fact that it's licensed leads to an oversupply in the aftermarket because resellers just think it's a sure thing but if it is oversupplied in the aftermarket it will not perform as well as a non-licensed set that has very little supply and still has really strong demand so it's just not as simple as expecting that a set is going to be the best performer just because it is licensed now i've done a ton of analysis on lego sets and Lego investing and over the years I have found that the licensed themes are not always the best performers. Some of them are very, very strong performers, but there's also non-licensed themes such as Ninjago or Lego Architecture, also a homegrown theme that performs quite well in terms of investing. And then on the licensed side, you have a kind of a hit or miss that can happen sometimes. So Star Wars has some sets that are excellent investments, and then it has some others that are underperformers. Likewise, Harry Potter, likewise, Jurassic World, Minecraft, a lot of these licensed sets. So what's really going on here is that it is not about the license. It is not simply the fact that a set is licensed makes it a better investment than a non-licensed set. What it's really about is looking at that supply and that demand. Is the set in demand more than other sets? Is it in strong demand? Is it selling fast? Are people talking about it? Are people loving it? What is the demand like? Because that will tell us how likely it is to continue in the future. After the set retires, if the demand is still strong, that's what you want to see as a Lego investor. And then we also got to look at the supply. What is the supply like? Is it over hoarded? Are there tons of people out there buying it? Or is it flying under the radar? And with non-licensed sets, sometimes those under the radar sets can be more common. And then taking this a step further, we can start to ask, what are the things that are driving the supply and the demand? So things like collectability or things like the relevance to pop culture. If a set is highly collectible, then that helps to lift up that demand. Now, yes, license can help with collectability and it can help to make a set collectible, but there's tons of collectability in non-licensed sets as well. Just look at the Architecture Skyline series and how people will always want to collect multiple if they ever buy a single one of them. And collectability, of course, is just one thing that can drive demand, but there's a handful of them. And if we look at those things individually, then we can start to realize that it's not about the license. It is not about the fact that a set has a license. Another thing to point out here, for example, is that if a set is licensed, then there's all of this demand coming from non-LEGO fans. And that is a really important thing is that now we have extra demand or extra audiences of people buying the set. But you can also get non-LEGO fan demand from other places for non-licensed sets. Bringing back that architecture example, we have tourists, right? Tourists who may have never built a LEGO set in their entire life will buy some of those Lego architecture sets to remind themselves of that trip that they took to San Francisco. So that non-Lego fan demand can still exist even in non-licensed sets. So what do we do with this information? How do we apply this to our investing decisions? Well, firstly, please don't think that just because a set has a license or is based on a popular brand, that means it's gonna be a winning set. 
That is not the case. It totally depends on the supply and demand of the individual sets. And it's just not as easy as picking sets just because they're based on a license. But when you understand that and when you graduate past that point, then you've really up-leveled your understanding of how LEGO investing works. And you can start thinking about things like, what does a supply and demand look like on this set? And there's a handful of things that I like to look at when I'm picking my winning sets. And I wanna help you with that. I've actually got something really, really cool coming very, very soon. I've been writing a book behind the scenes. I've actually been pouring all of the things that I understand about buying winning Lego sets as an investment and I'm putting into a book for the last year. This book is almost done right now. I'm literally writing the last chapter and then I'm editing over the next couple of weeks. It is coming soon and it is gonna help you with your Lego investing journey. I have no doubt about that. Inside this book, I'm gonna talk about absolutely everything that I do to pick winning Lego sets. I'm Shane from brickbox.net and I will see you in the next one.